What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Hello and welcome to Art of War Unbroken. Champions may lose, but their spirits remain unbroken. I'm your host, Blake Law. This is episode 78 of the podcast, and we are thrilled you were able to join us today. I am also the guest today. I'm just going to put that out there to start. They say we learn the most from our losses, and that is exactly what I aim to do today. I'm going to interview not an elite player. We're going to interview myself, and we're going to talk about a game that I've lost. We're going to break down my mistakes and how I plan to learn from them, how often maybe blamed a loss on bad dice. I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to try to learn instead of blame. So we are heading up north of me to the Midmo Maelstrom in Columbia, Missouri with the Forge World Columbia fellas putting on an event, a major, somewhere around 50 players. Now, this is part one of the podcast. This part will be analyzing the game. We'll be talking about common mistakes, secondaries, and target priority. And part two will be deep diving into my strategy, my list adjustments, what I plan to do moving forward, what I've already done moving forward, what I'm taking to LVO, all that good stuff. And we're going to be talking about maybe the elite player mindset. Now, I've already introduced myself. Brad's my co-host. Brad, how you feeling? Dude, I'm feeling delightful on this Sunday afternoon. Is it after? It's not even afternoon yet. Whatever. It's morning. Morning, morning. afternoon, whatever. I've just, I feel that I've now counteracted a few months now of trying to get back into shape. I dropped 20 pounds and then Ooh. I just ate Thanksgiving food for four days straight. And I'm pretty sure that my body is going to punch me right in the stomach because they're like, Brad, you make a lot of bad decisions. This was one, my friend. Well, I have uh, I have celiac and I ate a bunch of pie. So I was literally just like in a rash for like the last two days. And I was just like, it's fine. Like sometimes you just got to sacrifice for the greater good. And the pie is the greater good. So pie is the greater good. My yeah, friend. Also, I want to throw this out. I know we're still on. We're not on video, which I keep desperately trying to change. But I need to know, besides the fact that Blake just unzipped his shirt to give me some uh, James Bond, Sean Connery, Harry Chespacho. But he also has a fine piece of artwork behind him because he's not in his usual spot. I am at my parents' house right now. We are in the process of moving back to my hometown where I just took a job. So I'm in a um, I'm in limbo right now. I'll be recording in all kinds of places. You're just a while you're wherever I may roam. Wherever I may roam, that's exactly where I'm at right now. So you may hear everything. some you may hear some little dogs yapping in the background. I don't know. I'm not in my usual spot. So we'll uh, we'll kind of see what happens. I'm excited to rock this out, buddy. I want to talk about this list. I like to talk about the list you're playing against because right now in the meta. There's a lot of things that are viable, and I think that learning from your mistakes, which is what we try to do here on Unbroken, is always valuable. But I think it's more valuable than ever because you have a chance with almost anything right now to the meta. But understanding how you can get better comes from you. And I know yeah. you're going to give me the Brad Zen, stop being Yoda thing, but you really have to start your journey of being a better player. By being able to not say dice. Should I Brad? use my, my typical story of why of I shouldn't blame dice? Yes. So I used, I've used this before. I use it again. I'm going to give props to Mr. Josh Minnick. Him and I are playing a game. I'm playing my dirty elves versus his awful bugs. 
And he makes an 11-inch charge on turn two. He hits a bunch of my casters, and I failed 23 of 24 saves. Man, that's crazy, right? The dice were terrible. No, Brad was just too fat and lazy to get up and scream that charge out. I clearly had movement. And that's the thing about recognizing what happens in your games is, yeah, man, that was bad luck. You know what I mean? A bunch of dice went my way. But I could have not made any of that happen. That whole thing was my fault for not screening out easily. But I think there's a moment in every game where the dice gods punish you for your bad movement or your bad choices. And you have to stop staring at the everything went wrong dice-wise. Well, sometimes it does. But could you have taken fate out of the hands of the dice, basically? And that's where I want to go into. That's where right. we're going to focus. And we always focus on that. But like, it's it's just being honest enough. Because it sucks sometimes to go, hey, man, maybe something was just my fault. That hurts. Saying dice are bad is way easier. Yeah. It's very easy. <laughs> it's very easy to... That's that's a problem with everyone. You know, with every asset at life, whether it's your work or like anything, it's easy to say like someone else is at fault. Some other outside forces at fault. It's not my fault. But a lot of times you got to look at it and just try to be as objective as possible and say, did I really mess something up and can I learn from it? You know, that's... Well, you only have agency over the things that you can actually do something about. I can't trigger how my dice are. I can try to take dice out. That's that. So in the moment, it might be the most enraging thing to think about, though, for anyone. Like 100%. When, I'm, when I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, man, I just got uh, this game, for instance. Uh, we'll get into it. But I'll be like, man, I just got freaking Rick rolled turn one before I could even move. And then I'm thinking, like, what could I have done different from that point on? And um, we'll get into it. But I think there's a lot of learning points on this game. And that's why I wanted to do this one, because I think there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Well, let's give the, let's give the, the usual suspects. Tell me a little bit about the the tournament what kind of terrain was it what what mission were we playing and then we'll go into the list so the event was awesome. It was a Midmo Maelstrom. It's in Columbia, Missouri. It happens around you know Novemberish every year. Um, it's the Forge World Columbia guys who put it on. Um, absolutely excellent event. It was in a really cool venue. They had a bar set up there. They had food. They had a guy. One of the uh, Forge World Columbia guys was actually back there uh, smoking pork butts. And so one day we just had a giant like you could just buy for like five bucks to buy a big thing of pork. And, How did uh, I not like, get invited to this, dude? This event was awesome. I went last minute and uh, it was really cool. They um they had a big prize raffle for charity um there was a ton of money it was really cool um the terrain was a little bit tricky though because i got into the game late and so i wasn't on the mail list and the original packet said that it was uh, set terrain and so i'd kind of prepared for set terrain you know with my list and then i wasn't on the mail list but apparently like two weeks before they changed it to player placed so they made the decision there that players agree whether they want to do set or player placed for the round starts so that's I, brutal that's a huge deal though too yeah so i felt like with with anyone who was kind of newer to the game, I feel like it was advantageous for us to do set terrain. So yeah. So we talked and I was like, how comfortable are you with player placed? And if they weren't, then you know, I was like, let's just do set. Let's just do, um, we, our, our fallback was let's try to make it as mirrored as possible. So we took the pieces. It was pretty yeah. easy. Yeah. I give you that hundred percent. The thing is, is that I'm, I'm a fan. I like a lot of different styles of terrain myself, but like, I do think that player place terrain really accentuates the skill gap or the experience gap, especially if you haven't done it. Cause we were talking to different people like coach and stuff. I matter of fact, one of the guys, Lyle, that I talked about, we went to a tournament together in North Carolina and we had worked really hard on player place terrain with, with him. And he just went, man, like two or three of my games, I just knew I was going to win before anything else was placed because my opponent was new to player place terrain and he got such an advantage 
percentage of on that. And that's a big deal. And, it, and it's really hard to play if you've placed your terrain poorly. So uh, shameless promotion, um, I and myself, a couple of the other coaches have put out videos of how to do player place training. It's a big deal, man. It's it can, sure. you, you can literally, you and I have talked about that before on the thing. Sometimes you put your train out, you're playing from behind basically the entire game. So I was playing, uh, I'll just give a little example of uh, the round five. I played a fantastic work player. He runs, um, oh, he runs one of the big events up there. I think he's the judge for um, Flying Monkey, and he runs I want to say Felice uh, Exterminus, the Christmas event that's coming up this next month. And he was playing Orcs, and he got the first drop in player place, and he put a big ruin in the center of the table. Obviously, he's a combat orc army. And so what I did is when I placed, I placed all my stuff along the back edge and just made a giant open space in my in my side of the table because I was like, if you're going to come out of there, I'm going to make it pay for it. So that's kind of uh, what you got to think about. Because otherwise, if I try to mirror that or try to put things oh, in the middle, I would have been in trouble. So I, my my two objectives in that game were completely out in the open, but it was worth it for some nights. It's like, okay, well, I was, I'm just going to take the hits. Well, let's talk about you guys were playing Mission. I, I, well, I, I might have had pre-information to this, but I, I heard you were playing Mission 11. Let me tell you my list first, Brad. I'm going to run through it here. Uh-oh. So. I'm playing my typical night stuff. I kind of, I went to this event last second, so I kind of uh, wild carded and took some stuff I normally don't take because I was like, let me just try this out. So I took the free bait. Just like you to know that I'm wearing yellow just in honor of your nights. Oh, thank you. That's perfect. Yeah, I see it. It's perfect. It's beautiful. Um, so I ran my typical free blade lance. It's what I've been running probably since ATC. I think I deviated one time into uh, Tyrannus, but I've I love the free blade. That's kind of where I've been sticking. Um, for my oaths, I took defend the realm and I took refuse no challenge. Um, which you'll notice there is I did not take uh, Layla the tyrant because I found that yeah, it. Tell me why. Tell me what, what. First off, tell everybody what the oaths are real quick and why and why you changed them. So Defend the Realm is the one where you get two CP to start your turn. It's, in my opinion, a mandatory one. And you always are pretty much, um, you can gain one pretty easy on that one because you just got to hold, um, I th- I believe it's hold, uh, it's either hold half or hold more. I have to, I'd have to look and remember because there's one that's your oath and one that's your, um, that's your secondary. The second, there's one that's your secondary and one that's your oath. Oh, okay, yeah, so so I gotta, I'd have to look. But it, it's basically, you can do it every turn. You can put a guy out there. You can get it pretty reliably to score one plus one uh, honor on that one because you're other one's neutrals um it's don't leave an objective or don't go backwards basically so that one's pretty easy to go net one on and then refuse no challenge is don't fall back and um i believe it's kill two things in melee or something it has something to do with killing melee i almost never do it um until late game so i have to always have to look it up but what it, what this does is basically because you're not going to fall back early game and you're probably going to control the objectives it nets you one honor pretty early in the game and that's big for honor of the house so it basically scores you two points early on that secondary. And that's that's why you don't that's why I'm not taking Laylo the Tyrant here. Because Lay Low um is almost impossible not to take a net uh, one loss early in the game. So as you're gaining one on um defend the realm, you're losing one early game on Laylo the Tyrants until you're engaged. Because that one is you have to kill stuff in melee. And I forget what the the boon or what the negative is on that one, but it's um it's it's really hard to get early game too. So Although the, the the bonuses on that one are absolutely bonkers, it's gonna absolutely net you less secondary points if you play it. But let's talk about this this list then. So going into the list, um, I'm running kind of standard stuff I've been running, uh, and then a couple of wacky things. I have uh, one Helvern in the list. Um, this is the John Lennon special. I put him on the machine focus. I gave him the um, blessed by the sacrosents. So what that means is basically he shoots and sixes to wound do a mortal in addition, and he gets to reroll one wound. 
So he's a two CP um, calculated targeting uh, machine. He puts out crazy damage. So like I think I put sixteen mortals or something crazy on the um, on the Silent King one turn. Not that many. It was a lot though. It was like twelve, I think. <laughs> yeah, like it was several. It was more than one. It was either it was either twelve or sixteen actually, because it was it was either three or four sixes. It was bonkers. It, it killed him, whatever it was. So. Um, so he's real good, and then I take I take three warglaves. This is my standard loadout here. I give them uh, noble combatants, absolutely insane on three warglaves. That basically, if it if it refuses, if it doesn't inflict damage, it goes back and rerolls. So extremely powerful on them. Um, my warlord was my knight errant. He has herald, which is the one that gives them four plus invuln uh, in combat and shooting when you when they have a. Um, bondsman effect on him his bondsman effect in, in uh, specifically and then he has the helm dominus which gives him one one um armager per turn gets gets that permanently until he dies so it makes it to where all your armagers eventually have a four plus invuln in combat and and uh shooting it's pretty crazy um he has hunter a beast which lets him uh plus one to hit versus machines or versus vehicles and um plus one damage versus titanic and then he has Iron Bulwark, which is a four plus uh, permanent four plus invuln shooting. Now these are my bad boys. These are the things that I love. I've been taking them since Nova, and I absolutely they're incredible. Uh, three Moraxes with the Siege Claws and the Rad Cleansers, and then they have Strike and Shield. So essentially, they get advance and charge from the Errant. They go forward, and then they have Trans Hit. You can make one of them Transhuman. They have a four plus invuln minus one damage reduction, and then they get to flame you in combat. They destroy and that's really good versus horde they have booning on twos man also with a big big damage on that too yeah big damage is d6 or d6 plus two if you're a vehicle or monster so it's abs- it's absolutely crazy um and the rad cleansers take care of all your chaffs so they can go up and they can advance and still have no negative on those flamers and then if there's something that, that that's not good against the claws amazing versus so absolutely a crushing unit i think and i think that having the striking shield on is almost mandatory makes him like a wall and then the last piece um this was the last ride of the madeira because uh he's since been cut from the list i just had to get him one more tournament in i, I went a little wild with him this is kind of where i wild carded i took the name of the helm of the nameless warrior on him which i'm going to get into why that's probably pretty bad and then i took care <laughs> And I took Paragons of Honor on him, which also is pretty bad. He has Lance Strider, which is crazy, crazy, crazy on him because he's moved 14. So that's pretty sweet. But um, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But that's my list. Let's talk about what you played against. So we played some Tyranids. So we've got a Leviathan, not really shaking the world up. Neuro, Turvagod, Winged Hive Tire with the Reaper. What? Shock? We've got a Gargoyle unit. A big old Turvagon unit to go with that Turvagon. A four-man unit of Tyranid Warriors, standard loadout, Tyrant Guard, double Zoe's, a unit of three Biovores, which might be the most annoying thing in the entirety of the Tyranids. Two Tyrannofexes, both with rupture cannons, which is no bueno for your knights. I was about to say, if you were talking about the most annoying thing in this list versus me, that's it. Those double double rupture cannon. <laughs> Four plus D6 is not the damage profile you're happy even to see. <laughs> uh, then a spore assist, just pooping out. All of the spores. This is a tough list for you. Uh, one, you've got those two rupture cannons, which aren't great against a lot of things, but they're fantastic in the knights. But then you've also got a lot of of a, uh, not just mortals, but spores. There's a lot of move blocking yep. here. And I heard that knights are susceptible to move blocking. So I'll tell you, this was piloted by uh, Ryan Verbeck. He is 
absolutely a fantastic player in the Midwest. Doesn't make a ton of events around the country, but locally in that area, he's one of the Fords World Columbia guys. He was at ATC. Absolutely phenomenal player. I think he finished second at Flying Monkey, finished fourth at this event. I was, uh, we played round one. He obviously beat me. That's why I'm here. Uh, but um, I, was, I ended up four and one. He ended up four and one. I think he lost his last one to, and he's playing for the win. So, well, let's, great let's talk about what you're thinking. You're, I actually think this is at least a f- more favorable match for you with Recover the Relics because of the fact that even if he pins you in, you can still score some decent points because you've got three objectives in effectively each person's deployment zone because the two others are right outside. And he has a harder time stealing two from you because this is a hold one for four, hold two for eight, hold more uh, for 12. But the thing is, is that either one of you have a real reason to rush across the table because if you only take one away, you actually do absolutely nothing to your opponent's score. <laughs> so here's, um, so it's mission 11. That's for those who, um, don't know, that's the long board edge. So, I mean, you're talking like, um, uh, 18 inch or 18 inch across on either side. And then, um, what I took for my secondaries, I took my standard ones. I took renew the O's. I took honor the house and I took yield no ground. So that's uh, two points if you're honored every turn. If you gain one honor every turn, it's plus two honor at the end of the game. It's plus three honor at the end of the game if you're um, virtuous. And then renew as you go to the center, you do an action. You score five for the big boys, three for the little guys. And then you score, you get an honor action on a four plus on that as well. And then um, yield no ground is hold more than your opponent on objectives. They can't be in your deployment zone. And the third one is you didn't fall back. So pretty so good. What did he take for his secondaries? He taking bring it down which everyone takes first makes this real good I mean, he took Man. spore nodes which is incredibly good versus me in this one and, and then he took uh, no he took psychic really? ritual oh really because psychic psychic ritual on his list i'll get into why is absolutely crazy it's super 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 strong on his list it goes back to Turvagon and just the horde of dudes he has versus okay. me it was the right call absolutely the right call so looking at this mission after secondaries are chosen and everything else it's a tough army for you to place, but I think the mission was in your favor. But those things are flip-flopped, of course. How, what were you thinking? Like, what, Do you think you were favored? Did you think this was going to be an uphill battle? Like, what were your thoughts? And what was your game plan going in here? So my initial thought is I've played this similar list multiple times, and I believe that I'm undefeated versus it up to this point. I'm like, I'm pretty good at playing into, into uh, Leviathan. I know how to play it. I feel pretty favored in this matchup. And... I did not know what the current effects did. And that's my first mistake. Uh, <laughs> so this is, you know, eight in the morning, nine in the morning. I'm not real sure what time, but I, my brain wasn't turned on completely yet. So I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, all right, I think I can go to the middle. I think I can just like fend him off. I have a lot of flamers. I can kill his little dudes. At this point, I have like, what, 46 flamer shots that are wound on twos, like I'm, or threes versus little guys. So I'm just like, I'm going to, I'm going to clean the board up. And so my initial thought is I'm going to put my flamers out front. Like I always do. I'm going to push them forward. I'm going to give them four plus in one save. Just be like, deal with these, get through this wall. And then I send my next wave. So that's my first mistake because knowing now what the rupture cannons do, I a thousand, thousand, thousand percent would have front boarded my two big guys and been like, let's score points and then hid my little guys and said, the little guys are going to score points the rest of the game. Did you think that, well, we'll go into that part too. I was about to talk about list things. That, that's crazy talk. That's a, that's a branding style <laughs> question. In my, so, in my defense, I did not, I did not like this list per se. I think there's a lot of things I've changed since then. So sure. Well, we'll talk about those changes and everything in part two yep. after hours. So we're going in here. You've, you've, you've done very well against this. I think it's a decent mission, tougher list. Tell us, tell me kind of unfold, walk me through with the game itself. 
So I, like I said, I front, I put my uh, three, my three more X's. Like I, I think I had two of them obscured because I could, you know, the way that the board was. We we ended. Oh, sorry, we ended up playing like GW style. We just did set terrain. We didn't do player plays because it was the early morning. We didn't want to think about it. We just put like GW almost mimic for it. So I um, I was able to hide like two of them, and my third little guy was actually out in the open. It's ready to go forward and either renew O's or be catapulted by the errant and hit something that's available, like it, whatever whatever I was given, basically. And so I had that exposed. I had my two big guys, how I normally do, kind of back to where they can, out of range of the big guns, I thought, but I didn't realize the range on those things. And then given the auras, the buffs early, and then where they can clean up later game. So, which is normally the answer for this. So I don't want to get first turn charged by something crazy or have him come in and snipe my uh, big guy with his fly rent. So I moved turn one. He rolls to go first. And this is where things got a little wacky because he came out. He brought his terrain effects uh, over and rupture cannoned my. It's worth noting here that you have to be on this specific mission in order to get CP, you have to be on the uh, no so man's I- land. No man's land objectives. So I start with one, which typically, no matter what, I start with two. And I didn't think about this, so I can always rotate. But I couldn't rotate because I only had one. So I have a five-plus save versus these rupture cannons on my um, my, more, my Magera. Yeah, my Magera, because he didn't have the four-plus. So he turns on my Magera, just unloads the rupture cannons, and he rolls um, at least two of them for ten damage. He rolls this a four-plus six. <laughs> and so, I mean... I think it was one, yeah, one rupture cannon. I believe completely ended my Magera, so he just died. And then he turned, he turned all his other shots onto my guy with the four up save. And I think he took off. I want to say he took off between ten to fifteen wounds off of him too. So I had, I think I had sub ten left on him. So he, he was bracketed. I know. So at this point, I'm back far too. So I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I gonna do? And um, so. He does his turn. My next turn, I run my errant up. He has just enough movement to get with. I think he has eight movement, and he has just enough to get within six. Um, so I ended up renewing the O's with him for five, just taking my points where I could. But also worth noting that turn one, he killed the one um, Morax who was exposed as well. So now I'm down to six little knights. And so I'm thinking, how can I score points? How can I get back in this? So I basically just hide, put them all back. I shoot one guy forward to the middle with my um, errant to try to, um, you know, provide a little bit of pressure. And at this point, what he's done is he's taken all those termagants, uh, which I didn't do anything with yet. And he's put them all kind of back behind a ruin where I can't see them. And he's just farming them. And he's taking those biospores, which he did turn one, two, and he just launched them forward. And he just made a wall with, he screaming out with all the biospores. And so I'm like, oh gosh. So I don't get a move actually with a lot of the guys. And, um, and he's still sitting back there with those big termagants or term, yeah, termagants. So I spent a turn to score in secondaries. I don't think I kill much. And then he brings forward his turn. So another wall of termagants. Like at that point, he's done the thing where he brings 10 more back. And so he just spreads out across the middle of the board and just loads me up. And then he biospores back in my backfield. So to, to basically block whatever I have left, he makes walls to the guys who are back there again. And so I'm screened in with a biovores. He has a giant termagant wall in the middle and then he puts spores behind a wall as well he kills my errant this turn finishes him off kills the guy in the center i'm down to five little guys and they're all screened down the backfield so the rest of the game what i essentially did was try to score as much points as i could so i kill my screens whatever guy i could get to the center i'd go in the middle and try to renew with them i'd hold my two in the back for eight at this point, I was still yielding, but I he ended up getting guys in my backfield pretty quick, so I ended up losing one there. So I was getting two a turn on yield instead. Who was and he putting in the backfield? He was putting termagants. So at this point, he started just taking termagants and throwing them back. He wasn't counting the bio spores as counting for it, but yeah. I 
I ended up losing the, I think it was turn three or four when I started losing the backfield because I just didn't have anything to stop him from putting dudes back in my backfield. And, um, and he had killed at this point. If you, if you sit and think about it, the, the thing that's really good versus those termagants on my list is those flamers. He killed, he killed two of, he killed my Magera and one of them turned one, turned two, which is also a mistake. I shouldn't have moved that guy so far forward. He killed the second one. So I only have one flamer left in this list. And that's essentially what's left to kill these little guys because the profile on the Armagers is like decent versus it, um, but it's not like what I want to put it into. So I, I mean, I have like four guys left at this point and I'm just trying to score and it's real hard. Because I'll have left, I have my O's left, and I'm scoring three a turn. And by turn three, I think he had pretty much flooded the center where I couldn't even get there to renew. And so I lost my renew. I think I ended up with like eight, I want to say, on renew. Because I did once with the air and four died. I did one the next turn. And then my honor was, I want to say my honor was pretty decent. I think my honor ended up being like a 12. So it wasn't terrible. So I ended up with like 12 on honor. I think I got eight on renew. I ended up with maybe like around 10 on yield, but he had gotten multiple 12s on primary. He had maxed his primary. I think he ended up with like 30 primary or something, somewhere around there. I lost by, I think I lost by 30 because he maxed the secondaries, obviously. He's putting, he killed all my guys. He ended up tabling me by turn four, I want to say. I didn't have a turn five. So he ends up with bringing down max. His spore nodes was max and Psy ritual was max because behind that wall of termagants, he set that termagant and this did psychic ritual every turn with a termagant. I can see that. The thing is, there's a couple things we could talk about in the breadening for plays we could have made as we went. So playing that game, before we continue on, of course, I do have a valuable question for you. Over the course of the weekend, what would you say was your MVP and what's on the chopping? Thousand, thousand percent. My MVP is the Moraxes with the Siege Claws. I'm always going to run three of those until anything, until something changes. That's what I'm running. I'm running three of them. I'm running with Striking Shield. They're just so valuable in the list with the Errant. Being able to advance and charge them and just make like walls against certain armies is just absolutely crucial because people just waste so many resources trying to kill one of those things when you have it fully buffed. But Chopping Block. Uh, Magera. The Magera is gone. He's out of the list. He's too expensive. He doesn't have a whole lot of stuff to offer for it. He's extremely, extremely good. But when you think about what you could put in there instead of him, there's just so many things that are better than him. I mean, he's also five hundred. So yeah, he's too expensive for what he does now. That's that's that's. I mean, it's, that's an easy question for me. Easy, hundred percent. I've already changed the list, and I've already seen huge benefits from dropping him. So so let's go with. Should I ask you? Should have, would have, could have, or should we wait until the the brand name? I want to at least do one before we go. I think deployment's the big one. I think yeah, that- I was just about to say, I, I I really think that you could have hit a little bit more. Uh, we'll talk about list construction on this too, because I feel like if you would have had just a little bit more uh, long range mojo, a little a little more Helvarians could have picked up those big boys with quickness. Oh, yeah, I, I like I like that. I, 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 that's one of the switches I actually did, but I 100% agree. I think that putting the guys forward, those two big guys forward was big because... Even if they die, I think I get two turns of renew in the middle, and that's ten points. That's pretty huge. Even if I and and I provide a lot more pressure with that, so if they don't kill them, they're gonna mess whatever's in the middle up. Well, it's also he doesn't get to do that easy uh, war ritual there because you're going to engage and literally look like Sauron just picking up termagants, and even if he's regening them, you're shooting up things before you do. You know what I mean? And you can just walk out. You can also walk out of combat shoot what you actually want to charge back in and you just keep picking up 20 plus termagants and if you really want them gone you can just calculate the targeting the squad and just go okay go you know away. what's even 
you know what's even crazier, Brad, um, is if I'd gotten that Magera front board like I wanted, like I should have, and he would have survived, and he could have gotten those Termagants, he's killing, oh God, because he has ha- uh, Helm of the Nameless Warrior, so every six is straight up three mortals as well. So you're looking at like probably six mortals, six to nine, six, nine mortals, plus every other wound, essentially, so you're killing like probably 15. Like You're just absolutely slaughtering Termagants with that guy, and he's flaming. He's going in flaming as well, so he's killing another squad say, of the flamer. Yeah. Yeah. You you could pick up that whole thing and just not have them be able to reach out with one guy, possibly. So either way, yeah. he's not able to take warp ritual, or these comfortably take warp ritual. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, he's got to do some stuff. The only problem is, is that then he's bringing on double Zoe's to smite you down. So you know what's insane versus Zoanthropes actually? Because I killed both squads of Zoanthropes; they were just dead. Um, well, the, you're going to get one run round of smiting. And then because you've got the right profiles for them, you can just pick them up. Dude, the freaking flamers. Oh my gosh, the flamers are so dumb versus them. Yeah, I one one more axe killed, I think he might kill the whole squad. Oh, they have they've only got that four up invuln. It's yeah. got the right damage profile to put them down. It's wounding on twos. Well, wounding on well, yes, it is wounding on twos, because they are a non-monster synapse creature, so they don't have baby transhuman. Right. They don't. They're just wounded on twos. By the way. Dumb rule, but let's continue on. <laughs> I'll tell you that this is another mistake I might have made thinking about it is, I don't know, this, this is a tough one, but the Morax, the Morax I had left was on the right side of the board because I kind of spread them out too far. And so he catapulted forward and killed those Zoanthropes who were back in his ruin. Maybe he would have been better served trying to clear the middle. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is on that because he's not great versus Termagons. His profile for his Flamer is great, but once he gets into him, he's terrible in combat versus him. I think that you could have protected your your primary a little bit better too. Not even because you're getting your eights, but I think that you could have protected against getting giving twelve. You know what I mean? Because that's in his turn. So you have, yeah. he has to take one. He has to take and keep one of your objectives for it. I think all in all, like what I think about is I should have had with the seconders I took. I should have had more of a presence in the center. And, that's, and you're going to take that for sure. Yeah. And the thing is, is that you're going to accept that that first initial Zoe big guy kill. And then you're going to pick them up, and then you really start to contest. You also pick a lot of his stuff up at that point in time. Yeah. So we'll talk about, in, in part do, we will talk about changes to the list, of course. And then we'll talk about how those changes to the list could have changed things that you did in this match. And we'll talk about a couple of the other changes that you could have done. And we'll also talk about the shameful performance my Ohio State Buckeyes after that mission. Oh, they did horrible. Yeah, that was ugly. Uh, no, it was a beautiful game for three quarters. And then, well, one of the teams clocked out. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, they clocked out. That was pretty bad. Um, Arkansas did, did abysmal. They lost Missouri, which, funny enough, the guy who beat me with this list was a huge Missouri fan. He messaged me right after that game. So it was <laughs> shameful. So he beat me. He beat His team beat me in football and he beat me in this game. So it was pretty, uh, pretty great. That's vicious. Double down. Doubling I'm, down, man. I'm going to talk about, uh, in part two, I'm also going to talk about what I'm actually doing at LVO, because I know we're going to talk about list adjustments, but I've already decided I have converted up some crazy, crazy models to try to win some paint awards. So, um, you know, I like this also. I want to make this public because you were taking some time off because of life and everything. You said you weren't going to as many things, but I am publicly calling you out to go to more team tournaments with me because I'm going to continue my streak. I am now a seven, seven team tournaments this year. I've won. We haven't, we basically been pretty low key about this and we won one together with Nova. 
We did. We did. I'm going to yeah. win some with you next year for sure. And, but That's the thing is that you carried me with paint, and I want to win more, not just generals. I want to win their overall awards also. I want to two-time these, bring better stuff to tournaments. Blake, you're coming with me to teams. I don't care what's going on. Tell your wife that I haven't seen her in a while. She can show up if she'd like to. Bring babies. I, I'll high-five everybody. They're probably the same height as me anyways. Yeah, those be like, Yep. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm uh, and a lot. I'm gonna use that as a catapult to learn more matchup stuff for team for Team USA because I'm gonna help uh, help do some coaching with that. Indeed, you are. You are assigned people and assigned people. We're doing it. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Join me for part two as I babble my way through my list. All right, everybody, make sure to check out our other podcast. We have The Art of War Vanilla with Nick Nanavati and Paul Murphy. We have the very, very sensual, very sexy. Art of War Down Under with the late and great Adam Camilleri. We, of course, are the Art of War Pistachio. The flavor didn't know you loved till you tried it. Join us for part deuce later. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com. 